Happy Friday. Welcome to it. It's episode four of the Point B podcast. The news cycle has been nuts. I know everybody is uh, everybody's working. There's, well, of course, there's some people out riding, but for the most part, we're all just working, going back to living our lives. I've been keeping an eye on the news cycle, and um, that means not a whole lot of sleep. But um, I want to provide quickly some updates on what's going on with the election. It looks like we're going to have a call today um, for the Biden party. So that could be good news. That could be bad news for you. But uh, I I don't want to get into the weeds as far as some of the voting disputes going on. We've touched base on some of that a little bit. Um, I will give it mention today. But really what I want to get into is assuming what many would call worst case scenario. Where do we go from here? And as you've seen, the title of this episode is The Time of the Hero. There is something called the Strauss-Howe Generational Theory. I'm assuming that I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, don't don't tell me. I'm just going to keep pretending I am. But uh, there is what's called, and we've all heard of the, the greatest generation, that World War II generation. That is what's called the hero generation, and we're back there. We're back to the, the time of the hero, the generation that takes everything that was learned and taught and passed down from the previous three generations, and we apply it. And uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the theory behind that Strauss-Howe generational theory. And then I want to use that to provide some next steps, some perspective uh, for what's what we're currently going through as a nation right now. And of course, inject some encouragement and positivity in there. So let's get into it. So welcome again. Episode four, Point B podcast. As always, we don't care where you come from. What matters here right now is that you made it. You're listening. We've come together and we're going to take what's currently happening in our world and we're going to apply it to our lives and decide what to do next. But bottom line, I want to encourage you today. Uh, Obviously, if you are a Trump supporter, you're probably not very happy. (laughs) If you're a Biden supporter... um, well, that's a toss-up. I've, I've, I've seen plenty of statistics and I've talked to plenty of people that will attest to the fact there's not a whole lot of excitement about Biden, the person. There's a lot of anti-Trump excitement, and I get that. I totally get it. You know, he definitely played into that with just his personality. But the point for today is to move past our current predicament as a sharply divided country. If you were a Trump voter, um, odds are, if you're my age or younger, you didn't really give a whole lot of crap about politics before. Politics was just something you saw every four years and you stayed up and watched the election. Maybe you stayed up, I don't know, maybe you watched a little bit and then found out what happened the next morning. Um, kind of like a Super Bowl scenario. Um, and But if you are somebody who is seeing the news cycle, seeing what's happening, and you're getting down, you're getting frustrated, you're getting honestly kind of scared, I hope to spread a little bit of good tidings today. Um, if you really think about it, the amount of attention given to our election cycle this time 
it's really the result of sensationalism. It's the result of a character like Trump bringing so much attention to the office of the president. Trump was essentially an easy button for the Republican, the conservative. It was, I think I've said it before on this podcast, we've outsourced our rage to figures like Trump. We have sat back on our couches and watched somebody else do the heavy lifting for us. Trump was our easy button. Trump was our hero. And around that hero, I firmly believe that there are good people in Washington on both sides, but obviously they they showed their head more on the Republican side. Good people, but also cowards. And Trump was that figure that did not give a crap. And he marched forward and worked, frankly, he worked his ass off. Nobody could keep up with him in the White House, in his administration. It took a lot of people to keep up with him because he didn't stop. Good or bad, that's a fact. And the cowards in Washington, D.C. either rallied behind him or they accepted the challenge. Trump and his personality drew a very sharp line in the sand. He said before he was elected, this is what I'm going to do. And whether you liked it or not, that's what he did. Nobody was surprised by anything Trump did. And no, well, nobody who was paying attention in 2015 and 2016. So we've reached a time where I believe assuming again that if Trump does not take office again, you've got a lot of good people that have suddenly lost a sense of direction, I think. Maybe some of them will take up the mantle themselves and they'll, they'll keep fighting the good fight. We'll see. But the thought that's been going through my mind is the heroes, politically speaking, in our world are tired. The ones who really, in, in a sense risk a lot to go to Washington, D.C. They, ultimately, they risk their souls because there's, there's no drug quite like power. I think they're tired of fighting. I think they're tired of carrying that mantle, and I think they're tired of doing, of, of swimming up current. And obviously, this is heroes on the right. Heroes on the left, the current is, it's easy for them right now. Um... But the heroes are tired, or they're cowards. And so it's our turn. It's our generation. I'm a millennial. I've always wanted to find a cause, find something to fight for, to really care about. And in this world, it's there's a whole lot of fake. There's a whole lot of just stuff I don't care about. And to me, politics has always been, I've always characterized it some Somebody told me this, or I heard it on the radio. I don't know. But politics is sports for ugly people. It gives people just almost like uh, the extreme environmentalists that, where they really believe they're saving the world. Or the, the, the Nazi vegetarian who just believes that that is the way to live and everybody else is just stupid and uneducated. And we've all met those people. But... It's, it comes from a sense, I believe, especially for my generation, this, this feeling of there's something greater at play. And, and 
we might get into it. I might leave it for another episode just because I can geek out so much on it. But this Strauss how man, that is weird to say Strauss how Strauss how Strauss how I'm going to say Strauss how generational theory um, says that the hero generation, which is timed to the millennial generation is preceded by a crisis. And through that crisis, you might say through that refining fire, a generation rises up and it's called the hero generation, not because it's the hero of the previous three generations. It'll be the hero generation of the next generation. And out of this generation will come social change. Good or bad, we'll find out. But for everybody who's really just kind of down in the dumps, feeling like um, that the right, the conservative mindset, the Constitution has lost, we've got to remember one very key thing. America is not just a world power. It, it, is, it was founded on a promise with God, a covenant with God to provide freedom, opportunity, to those who wanted freedom and opportunity religiously, economically. If you want to be a screw-up for the rest of your life, well, come to America, you can definitely do it. If you want to, to stop being a screw-up and to seize a tiny opportunity and turn that into generations of success, come to America. But bottom line, this is not a worldly physical struggle. It's spiritual. We're in a spiritual battle. And so as people start talking about civil war and things like that, there, I, there is the threat of that, obviously. And we'll get into that. But I want to focus on the spiritual battle, the spiritual civil war that's raging in our country and has been raging in our country for a while. There's those who believe in the capital G, capital G God of government. And there are those who believe in the capital G God of heaven. And the war is being waged right now. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, obviously, if, if you don't believe in, in God or the Bible or any of that kind of spirituality, well, you might tune out here, but I do. And I think that this is a spiritual battle. And so if we're in a spiritual battle, the Bible is very specific about what we're, what we're to do. We're to put on the full armor of God. And Ephesians is very clear. Actually, I'll, I'll read a little bit. Starting in verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10 of the book of Ephesians. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, the spiritual world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So if this is a spiritual battle, well then the metaphor starts to become very clear. How are we training and preparing our spiritual weapons? How are we preparing our minds? How are we preparing our hearts? How are we preparing our families? 
How are we setting ourselves up for spiritual success? Bringing this back to the election, I'm, I'm very scared of the potential of this divide that we're seeing. People on both sides of the argument, 100% resolute and certain of what they believe. But as of now, the system is going to work for the people. We'll see what happens. But as of now, there are systems and levers in place for election disputes that we're seeing. For all we know, that Trump could be the one trying to cheat. That's a real possibility, right? Especially for those who hate him, dislike him, vote against him. If you're on the right, if you you call yourself a Christian or conservative or a Republican, how are you going to respond if it is shown that Trump cheated? Are you going to respond the way you would hope the left would if Biden was shown to be a cheater? The best thing we can do for this worldly struggle is wait and watch diligently with discernment, pray for wisdom, pray for patience, pray for peace. But right now, we don't know. So, let's watch. Control what you can control, which right now is your mind and your own heart. How you treat those within your own social network, within your own family. I've seen too many posts just today of people saying the Democrats in my family are not going to be invited to my house for Thanksgiving. I'm done having Democrats over at my house. Shut the... That that kind of talk is what pisses me off. And that's the that's honestly the majority of that that I see is not my generation. It's the generation leaving power, and it's the generation that I'm gonna say good riddance to politically speaking. It's the generation of, well, this is what is wrong, so now I have to write it by dictating what I believe to be right. And there's a happy medium. And nobody wants to look at that right now. If you're on the left, you want every single vote counted. I've heard from you. I've debated with you on social media and in person. You want every single vote counted. I don't see a lot of people on the left wanting to earn the White House. I see a lot of people saying, well, look, look at the polls. Arizona was called. Biden won Arizona. Of these remaining, what, five battleground states? I'm looking at Fox News right now. They're calling four. Maybe not calling, but they're saying that Biden is probably going to win four of the five. North Carolina, they still got it in the red. We'll see. But who wants to win an election by default? We gave the Democrats three tries in 2000. Three recounts. Gore v. Bush. All three times, if I remember right. I want to say every single recount actually was more in favor of Bush. On top of that, in 2016, we gave three years of Russia, Russia, Russia. Nothing happened. In fact, it was proven to be a complete farce. So we moved on. Then we got COVID. And it's been COVID, COVID, COVID right up to the election. And now, with all of that, with all the good 
put aside the bad, all the good that came out of the Trump administration. Unemployment, historic lows. The fact that this was the most participated in election of our country's history. But now we're supposed to just sit back and let whatever happens happen to us. It's going to be a tough sell for half of the country. That being said, if you're on the right, it's time to be extra patient. The left has proven that they can play the long game. They've got the passion and the emotional fortitude to accept small losses and progressively push that line further and further their direction over years and years and years. And that's something that we on the right have not learned. We're frustrated. We want change and we want it now. And that brings me back to my feeling of these heroes that we've been watching and hoping would carry this fight for us. They're tired. The radio hosts, legends, the titans of the conservative voice are well, dying. Or they're getting tired of the struggle and they're selling out and they're ghostwriting books. Guess who's not tired? I'm not. I'm fired up. I bounce all day long. I'm an emotional roller coaster right now. I go from just frustration to anger to joy to hope to peace. Then I turn on South Park and have food and I completely forget for about 13 minutes. And then I'm reminded of what's going on. And I go back to worried, frustrated, scared, sad for our country, for the people who really do need help, who need to be represented in government, who aren't going to get representation because our government's going to be tied up in legal struggles, has been tied up in legal struggles for years. But I believe and I hope that my generation is not tired. I hope and I believe that we are just getting started. We will carry the torch. We will pick up that mantle while the heroes rest. So to finish off this uh, monologue of hope, and I'm speaking to myself here, cover yourself in humility and truth. Because you don't know when God is going to choose to call you into public service to call you out and saying, what do you believe and why do you believe it? And say it to the world. Post it on your Facebook. Start a podcast. Run for local election. Start a business. Forgive somebody you haven't been able to forgive. Ask forgiveness from somebody that you've been terrified of asking forgiveness from. I got a story that I'll, I'll go into down the road, and I hope to have this person on the podcast, but 2020 has been a year of necessary forgiveness for me. People I've wronged, situations I haven't handled because I was so certain I was right. I wasn't ready to be any sort of leader. I was immature. 
I was the opposite of humble. I was prideful. I didn't care about truth so long as what everybody believed supported what I wanted to believe myself. This podcast is very quickly going to become a podcast that a lot of people don't want to hear. But we're we're representatives of an eternal kingdom. If you're a Christian, if you believe in a God, if you believe in the Bible, you're a representative of that book, of that divine being on earth. And as such, if that divine being requires a moral compass, if that divine being demands sanctity of life, of freedom, of small government, but a big God, your life, should you choose to enter public service or become a voice on the radio or start a business that supports good causes, your life's about to be scrutinized, demonized at every possible chance. You're going to play nice and they're not. So it's time to get ready for that. Prepare yourself, prepare your soul, prepare your heart, prepare your mind, prepare your family. If you choose to take up the mantle of the hero generation, get ready. It's never been as hard as it's about to be. Man, that was supposed to be an encouraging message. (laughs) Uh, What's encouraging to me is there's a plan. And I believe that I'm finding my place in that plan. And I feel that if you are looking for your place in that plan... Things are going to get harder than they have ever been, but you will find peace in that storm that you've never found before. At least you'll find the peace of seeking and hopefully finding forgiveness from people that you've needed to. That being said, back to the news cycle, we're seeing a lot of uncertainty. We're seeing a lot of chaos. We're seeing a lot of hate from both sides. But qui bono, who benefits from chaos? I believe that more damage has been done to our to the integrity in our system, in our election system. More damage has been done to that this cycle than any foreign entity could have ever hoped to achieve. Russia is <laughs> their hands off this time. If you believe that Russia played a role last election, which I believe they did, not necessarily for one person, but I I believe that Russia wants chaos within our system because a united America is a strong America. A divided America is chaos across the world. And there are people who benefit from chaos. So how do we avoid feeding into the chaos? When somebody, when a bully's poking you, just poking like, hey, what are you going to do? Are you going to cry? What are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. You're tired. You're weak. You just want to go to work, come home, and turn the TV on and call the day done. Don't be the bear that forces everybody else into a physical struggle. Don't be the ones out there saying, oh, we're about to see a civil war. Don't be the one posting the pictures of all your guns and your little knife saying you're ready to fight. 
Don't be one of those. It's not that time. I don't believe. Maybe you know something I don't. Feel free to send me a message. Let me know. So what damages our country more? Russian collusion? Or the rumors of? Or how about a rigged election? Or how about the impossible task of finding out if the election was rigged? Our enemy is not Republicans, or Democrats, or Libertarians, or conservatives, or liberals, or progressives. Our enemy is chaos. Our collective American enemy is chaos. And you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. So how do you be part of the, part of the solution? Well, where there's distrust, where there's uncertainty, where there's delays, we have to replace those voices with our own. We got to get loud and we have to be trustworthy. We have to be honest. So if you're going to be one of those picking up the torch, you're going to prop up those who are getting the truth out there. Maybe, maybe we were born for this, but I honestly believe that we purposely weren't given the talent to do it. (laughs) Uh, I believe that we're a generation of heroes, but we're also going to be a generation of Moses is Moses is however you say Moses plural. We've got stutters. We've got a speech impediment and God's going to say, Hey, I want you to speak for me. <laughs> we're going to be like, what? What are you talking about, man? I'm good with numbers. I work in the accounting department. I chose this industry. I, I literally one day Googled the best jobs for introverts. (laughs) And uh, the first result was accounting. And so I applied for an accounting job. I've got a finance degree and I got hired and it's been great. I get to stare at my computer, put my headphones on. And if anybody comes to talk to me, it's very rarely, especially with COVID. But that's not what I feel fulfilled by. And I realize that the more I've come to like my job, the more I feel like it's not what I'm supposed to do. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there are those out there with empty hands, empty pockets, and a brain full of ideas and hopes and aspirations waiting, like I said, for a hero. And maybe Trump was that hero. Maybe he still is. Maybe he'll win the election. But honestly, I think maybe best case scenario is he loses because people, well, I'll speak for myself. I'm pissed. I'm pissed that we elected a strong man and he did great things. But because of the political strife and divide in our country, nobody could see it or they didn't want to. Or maybe I'm the one who's confused. Maybe I'm the one deluded into believing that Trump is a good guy. But bottom line, I think the number one takeaway from this 2020 election season is we have to get back to what we, where we were in 2008 through 2016. And it seems like it's predictable. Every single time there's a Democrat in office, Republicans want to take away powers from the executive branch or vice versa. 
Democrats are in power, and well, they want that president to use every executive power. They want him to, or her, but so far, him, to seize every ounce of power he can to achieve his agenda and achieve the things that he was sent to office to do by any means necessary. And it's this snowball of executive power that this generation, my generation, has to fight against. And, and there are the heroes in D.C. that I see, number, no, most notably is Mike Lee, who I see agrees with much of what Trump is doing verbally, vocally. He speaks out for much of what Trump does, but I've also seen him speak out against the powers that he's using. That's where we need to be. Honest brokers. I said it in episode one. You can't want something so bad that you, you're not worried about the consequences of achieving it or how you achieve it. Got it. As I'm embarking on this adventure, <laughs> I'm cutting back on social media. I'm trying not to post a whole lot. The more I post about politics, the more fights I get into. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of that struggle because it's meaningless. I hear from the people that are so sold on hating Trump. There's no point in arguing with them and vice versa. But there is, there is a discussion or an argument, if you want to call it that, that I, I do want to have with people. And that's why I started this podcast because sharing links on Facebook and snarky comments is it's not the way to do it there's the argument of why trump why was he our hero well if you don't know me uh, which i'm assuming you don't <laughs> i didn't vote for trump in 2016 i couldn't do it i didn't like his approach i didn't like his demeanor i didn't like his past I didn't like his personality. I didn't like his hair. I didn't like anything about the guy. He annoyed the crap out of me. A lot of what he said sometimes sounded good. But then he also said, uh, I think you'll see me in coming down the escalator and it's going to be a whole new Trump. Well, I'm like, what the hell? What does that mean? Who's going to come down the escalator? But that aside, the argument that the left or the question that they've been asking themselves for four years, almost four years, is why Trump? Why, why are people so gung-ho for him? I've got family members that have this idea that we love him, that we want him to do whatever it is he wants to do. So where's the disconnect? I believe the media, you know, I didn't like Trump calling the media the enemy of the people, but they proved him right. The media pu media pushed us into a corner. The media the media saw the line in the sand that Trump drew, and they highlighted it with Sharpie. And so then it, it, we came to a place where we had to defend ourselves. We had to defend our policies and our stances on certain issues. And then what that did is it created an equation: conservatism equals Trump not conservatism equals the Constitution. And we didn't effectively decide between the two because we thought if we pushed Trump enough, enough good things would happen, he'd get reelected, and then we could push the principled fight off for 2024. But that may not be the case. And it made, the other, it, made it a lot easier for the other side to hate us. 
So where do we go from here? We're not going to win the argument. We're not going to change those minds. We have won some victories. Congress is looking great, much better than anybody would have guessed. Except maybe Trump, because he's the eternal optimist. So we cut our losses, assuming Trump loses office. We accept the win. And we're actually not in a terrible position. We kept the Senate. We increased. We increased in the House. We've got more minority voices in D.C. now on both sides, but they're the the most non-white, non-male representatives being sent to D.C. from the Republican Party in history. We achieved that. We achieved much more the minority vote. We achieved, uh, I believe, the the borders, towns and counties um, on our southern border were very pro-Trump, which shows that the pro-immigration, anti-illegal immigration argument is working. It makes sense. And so if we're, we're asking where to go, where, where, where do we pick up in 2021? Okay, give the heroes a break. How? It's time to get into the election process. It's time to become the vote counters. It's time to become the journalists. It's time to become the politicians. It's time to become the radio host and the podcast host. It's time to be that sane voice on social media that's spreading positivity and hope and forgiveness. It's time to flood the system with conservative voices and a positive outlook on America, acknowledging our bloody past and giving credit where credit's due, acknowledging the flaws of the founders and being fair and recognizing some of the genius that they had. I'm, I'm reading a... Um, oh shoot, I don't have it next to me, but I'm reading a book. It's The Spiritual Journey of George Washington and it, I'm a couple chapters in and it's fascinating how much he sounds like a millennial. He was a millennial. He, he, was, he was fighting wars in his early 20s. And I think that the, it is that, I don't know this, I, honestly, I'm, now I'm really curious um, where he fits into that Strauss-Howe um, generational category system. But um, it's, it's time to, to, to find our voice and become louder. We've been silent and almost passive. Many have been passive, especially in government. We've watched the Democrat Party give a pass to their, um, I would call it their armies, but these rioters and these protesters who have turned violent, and they've called them peaceful protests, They've literally been giving reports on MSNBC about peaceful protests while there are police cars and buildings burning in the background. But then on November 4th and November 5th, and now November 6th, they see concerned citizens gathering in small groups of more than 10, some of them literally kneeling in front of government buildings and praying. And I've watched them call it mob-like. I've been told on Facebook that there are 
conservatives and Republicans rioting and becoming a mob and being violent. And for the handful of them out there, you're wrong, you're part of the problem, go away. But we as a, as a majority are peaceful. The Tea Party showed up and gathered, dispersed a positive message, and then we picked up our trash and we left the place cleaner than we found it. We watched the left decline to say word freaking one about Antifa. They denied it. They called it an idea. They declined to say word one about BLM violence and their Marxist ties. Yet poll watchers who want a view of the count, a legal right that they have, that we have, to watch the count. They're insurrectionists and rioters. I got two words I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. But it's in all caps in my notes with a couple (laughs) exclamation marks. Uh, But bottom line, Trump failed to unite the country. Of course, the media didn't help in that cause, but I believe he tried as best he could as a flawed man. But his, his personality and the media seizing on those opportunities that his personality presented um, by not reporting or giving him credit where credit was due, Trump and the media failed us. The people who voted against Trump didn't vote for Biden. They voted against him. So that, in a way, provides me hope for the next election cycle. Maybe Trump comes back in 2024 if he loses this round. We'll see. But Congress shows that there is a a growing sense of pride in America and hope for small government. And the polls show this. And I'm encouraged by that. So where do we wage the battle? Our education system, our media, and our economy. So it's training people in the the history of our country, the good and the bad, the peaceful and the bloody, using technology and the media to get that message out and where the media wants to cover it up or not report on it or report on anything that needs to be reported on, well, then we replace that media with our own. Podcasts are easy, podcasts are cheap. We don't have to worry about regulation to be on the radio waves. We don't need public airwaves. And I I honestly think, I know I'm going a little long here, I'll wrap it up soon, but net neutrality, I believe that that was a a failed effort by the, the progressives and the radicals on the left and maybe some on the right to seize control of the, um, the internet air quotes, airwaves. And so we have to keep that fight up to make sure that the internet stays free and open. And then on the economy, we got to prove that conservative economic policy works. We've got to prove that in states, just like as, just as we have been proving in states like Texas, that fiscal conservatism works and limited government works. And we got to keep up that effort and we got to fight to keep states like Texas conservative. I don't give a crap about red conservative constitutional and free. So be encouraged. I think this is an encouraging time. It's a scary time. We're fighting against chaos and we're fighting against invisible enemies, not just COVID. I know Trump liked that term, but invisible enemies spiritually. Find ways uh, to tap into your 
to your hope side, your positive side. There's certain things. My wife bought me for my birthday this uh, really nice soap <laughs> and, uh, you know, some man brand and it's cool, whatever. But she knows I always, I've always loved good smelling things. She puts on my favorite perfume and, and she knows, uh, well, she's certain of certain things. But that that's how I tap into my positive side. I, I take a shower, to be honest, and I, I just clear my brain and it works for me. But f- find ways to tap into your peaceful side. I am worried. Um, I find myself laughing at things that aren't that funny. But I, I really, I'm, I, I've been trying so hard at times to pull my brain out of the news cycle and stop stressing about those things. And I really, I, I just, I long for the day that we can shake these, um, these eternal burdens off of our shoulders. But I'm realizing more and more that I don't think this generation gets to do that. I think that now we're at a point where we have to prepare for um for a long struggle not a war necessarily it doesn't have to be a civil war it doesn't have to be that extreme but it is going to be a long struggle in whatever form that it, it takes shape but that's going to enable us to create a world that um that's better it's better for the next generation and that's encouraging so if you get the chance um Go and read up a little bit on that Strauss Howe generational theory. I, I think it's um, there's a book called The Fourth Turning. I haven't read it yet. It's in my Amazon cart, but it's one of those things I want to get to. But I think it's an interesting concept, and I think that it 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 definitely highlights the line in the sand, and it puts a lot of pressure on this generation. And I but I think that this generation, if any generation, is equipped to carry that torch. We are in. And I believe, I hope that we're about to emerge from a crisis of um, almost identity, I think is something I've always believed about this generation. We've had a crisis of identity. We don't know who we are. We were told who we should be. And we decided we didn't want to do that because that put us back into a world that we didn't necessarily like. And so we've been looking for for ways to change our, the social structure and our environment. And so we're fluid and we're flexible. And I think that that's going to lend itself. And I just hope that saner, more rational minds prevail at the end of this crisis. So be that that be the hero. A true hero, um, it's never seen. The true hero is never heard or idolized, maybe even recognized or even remembered. Maybe we're only remembered as a generation. Maybe we are silent, reflective, and wise at times. But ultimately, we're doers. We're not talkers. We're not showers. But we do the things that are necessary to create a better world. And we do it together. And we do it transparently. So I'll close with this. This is the ending to that passage that I opened with. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. You will still be standing firm. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth 
and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So stay safe. Be smart. Stay vigilant. Be assertive in your families and in your your friend networks. Do what it is you've been saying that you will do. Make 2021 a groundbreaking year for something that we don't even know what it is, but we know it's going to be great. And after we break ground, then we build. Thank you.